1: Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I am Tara Bowen Biggs and I am so happy to be joining me on the line once again. Kendall Bennett, thank you for being here, Kendall. Thanks for taking a break from your studies tonight for coming back on the podcast for a brief showing.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me back. I've missed being here.
1: Well, I'm glad that we get to get caught up, and we have a third joining us tonight. Very excited to welcome into the program Carol Collimore. Carol wears many hats in the Portland community. She's a social and community activist and one of the hosts of the X-Ray FM in the Morning show on X-Ray Radio. Carol, welcome.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Um, so, Terrell, can you tell us a little bit about kind of your connection with basketball and how you got into sports in general?
2: Sure. Well, uh, my first of all, I have two uh, parents. Well, only half of whom are with us anymore, but uh, they super love sports. My dad was baseball and basketball and soccer. Well, he's from Panama, so football, American football. Um, and basketball. And my mom was super into baseball and tennis and basketball. So we were just, we're. it was, I don't think there was ever a question that I was going to like sports, because that's pretty much one of my primary memories of like what was on TV at that time. And um, I, I wasn't allowed to watch TV, but I was allowed to watch sports. So if that tells you anything, <laughs> we we're very sporty. <laughs> Um, priorities. Priorities. And so and my my uh aunt and uncle too, who live two blocks away, also super sports fans. Um and so even though I grew up dancing, I always loved sports. And then by the time I got to middle school and high school, um switched from dance to um basketball, ultimately volleyball, but played a little basketball myself. Um but I grew up watching the Bulls um in the, the sweet, sweet nineties. So we all know how great that was um ouch uh, (laughs) that hurts (laughs) does it hurt I know it hurts know. I grew up in Albuquerque what basketball was I getting um how did um, you end
1: up following the Bulls from Albuquerque
2: uh WGN the old tv station which still exists by the way and so um I watched you know Cubs baseball White Sox baseball and uh the Bulls
1: who was your favorite player
2: Oh geez, Scotty Pippen. I mean, everyone's favorite player is Michael Jordan, but like as utility and partner in crime to the best player in basketball, Scotty Pippen was was awesome. Um, I also really loved B.J. Armstrong because he was cute and little, and he was a great point guard. But he was also cute and little. Um, and yeah, so I moved when I moved to Portland fifteen years ago. You know, you kind of adopt the team that you that you go to, and I really. Um, connected to the Blazers and have loved the Blazers ever since. But always a little little bull soft spot. But yeah, Blazer girl for sure. Now, awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, we are getting very close to the start of the season. As everybody knows, we're all just um, just about there. Preseason has started. There's a few uh, few news items that we can discuss, and the one that is still on my mind, and I can't believe is still going on is that uh, Jimmy Butler is technically on the Timberwolves, but he's asked for a trade and has still not been traded. After, I think, almost three weeks now, he has been um, waiting to be traded to another team. So what do you all think about this Jimmy Butler situation? Kendall, I haven't talked to you for a while. What are your thoughts on what's going on with Jimmy Butler?
0: Yeah, um, I think it's interesting. I think it shows just the dynamic change of the NBA of how, player this is becoming such a common thing now the players are requesting trades or demanding trades and then they refuse to go to training camp or they refuse to play in preseason they refuse to do these things um in order to get traded and like you would have never seen that even 10 years ago you didn't really see that that was such an uncommon thing and so now it's just it's happening multiple times a season um i think I mean it doesn't really surprise me that they haven't traded him because it, it very clear or they've made it very clear they have no interest in trading him uh so I, it doesn't surprise me that they're asking for crazy trade like in order to trade him they're asking for crazy things from other teams like when the Give when us your Philly went
1: player, then we'll talk
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, like when philly when Philly tried to do it they they wanted Ben Simmons and like things like that where it's like you're not gonna do. A player like that and considering what they got Jimmy Butler for which they really didn't have to give up a whole lot to get him um, so it's it's kind of ridiculous that they're asking for so much when they know like either he's gonna walk away in a year or he's not gonna play this season and you're gonna lose him and not get anything in return or like you gotta get something um, so I definitely think they will trade him but I could see them waiting. I don't think it's gonna happen in the next couple days. I could definitely see this lasting a lot longer, which is annoying, but it's probably didn't, it's probably gonna work out that way. What about
2: you, Carol? What are your thoughts? Well,
0: I'm just curious how
2: it feels for him. well, so first of all, there's this idea that players are um human commodity, which is always a problem for me. <laughs> um, but also like how how much is he how much of his voice shows up in the conversation or is it just two teams battling it out or several teams battling against one, um, to get him where he wants to be. That's the part I don't quite understand.
1: Yeah. I mean, and what, some of the things that I've heard talked about in the media is that he actually, you know, stated his, um, desire to go play for a different team much earlier in the summer, but his team didn't act on that. And so like, and now he's not, I don't think he's said much about anything. I think he's just staying quiet while everybody else tries to figure out what's going on. Um but I think it's interesting that the kind of the dynamic between like they came up with this idea of having these, you know, contracts with the idea that they would keep players happy in their current situation, but that doesn't feel like it's playing out. It feels like sometimes they can still get to be not happy in their situation and want to be moved somewhere else
2: right I mean, is that kind of what you're talking about yeah then? like as
1: you know as come on.
2: yeah when you lock when you lock somebody in like that and they can't go anywhere and so it becomes this sort of first of all does no player looks good in the situation and then uh people in charge sort of look like they're just sort of grabbing like you know like Kendall said like I can't have this unless I get your star player and you can't have him and it's like well, he's if he's clearly stated what he wanted months ago, why hasn't this been figured out yet?
1: The thing that but surprises me is that I feel like their coach slash general manager, Thibodeau, like he, like nobody's talking about him or they haven't been, I haven't hear, been hearing anybody talk about how he has mismanaged this situation. That feels like that's where some of this mismanagement has come from.
2: That's fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah I mean he's the whole thing with him saying like oh he's not like he's we're not going to trade him it's they weren't taking calls and then the owner of the team was like no like if you like he is like we are willing to trade him all this so clearly like they're not on the same page about it and I think the problem with if clearly this was something that they've been dealing with for months every time this gets out to the public that this player is unhappy, their value instantly goes down, like their trade value. So I don't know why when this happens, why these teams don't push earlier to start trying to trade them before it gets out that like, hey, he's unhappy, because then they can potentially get more for him. But at every single time, we always see this, that it's all this time goes by and then all of a sudden we hear over a, a week before training camp starts is, oh, he's unhappy and he wants to be traded, but they've right. known for months now. And he that looks he bad. this. And so then, yeah, exactly. And, like, and then his trade value just goes down and then other teams don't necessarily want to give up a lot for him because they're like, well, he's unhappy and then like we're getting a player that's unhappy and coming from a situation and they don't necessarily want to deal with that. Or then they look at the players rather than the situation, they look at the player and go, Oh, well like he's problematic or whatever it may be. So it's just, I feel like there's so many ways to avoid situations like this that they just don't, it's like these teams don't want to swallow their pride and admit that like, Oh, the, this star player doesn't want to play for us. They want to just like hold it out and hope that they'll change their mind, but it ends up just hurting them more. And then it just makes it messier and it makes both parties just look bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sticky situation. And it was, it was interesting to also compare to the other, you know, earlier this summer with um, Kawhi wanting to leave San Antonio and him getting traded to, um, Toronto and one of the things that I kept thinking about as the whole dialogue this whole conversation brings up like all the dialogue that we have about players and I heard a lot of people like for Kawhi um, with regard to his situation saying you know well Kawhi just needs to step up and say something like he owes it to us to like tell us what's going on and like we don't know what the story is and we have to get over and I always think Kawhi doesn't owe us anything. You know, it's like between Kawhi and the teams. And if he's just not a guy who wants to talk, if he just like that's between him and his team. And if his team is like, look, you don't have to talk, but we want you to come and play basketball, then that's between them. I don't think we are as fans are necessarily owed any kind of a statement. I think we're used to getting statements and we feel like we're entitled to hear from these star players. But I don't technically think that like they owe us anything. (laughs) Well do you have do you guys have any thoughts on that?
2: same. And Kwai Leonard is has uh I don't know why anyone would be surprised he wouldn't say anything. He hasn't said anything so far in his entire career. He's so quiet. He just wants to play basketball.
1: Yeah, yeah, he is. And the whole like making fun of his laugh and everything, like I get that it was like kind of strange, but like just everybody leave it alone. You know? (laughs) It's like Um Uh yeah.
2: Whose laugh laugh is normal?
1: (laughs) And I, I just was thinking about um you know, when I first saw the interview, cause I think I was watching that one live and they asked him about himself and it was like an awkward, like, tell us about yourself. And like, you know, he's just not a guy who talks very much. And he started off by saying that he was a fun guy and everybody instantly thought that was like, you know, totally hilarious. And then they made fun of his laugh. But I was thinking like, I know plenty of people who are fun people, but like put a microphone in front of them and they would just like absolutely freeze. That's just no. not their thing.
2: And honestly, that's most people. Can we be honest? That is most people. Like, we all watch those weird, used to be Jay Leno interviews on the street with me asking people hard questions. They don't know the answer. Most people don't know the answer. Yeah.
1: Obviously, we don't have a problem talking. No, no, no. We're (laughs) fine here. (laughs) Give us a microphone.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Well, have either of you caught any of the preseason games that have been televised?
0: Yeah, I've watched a couple. Um, I... I don't pay a ton of attention to preseason, just because I tend to forget sometimes that it's preseason. I start getting really into the game, and then I get frustrated either that certain players aren't act like they're not trying, or whatever it is. So I have to kind of remove myself from that um, to not get frustrated. Remember, it is just preseason; it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I watched the Blazers game the other night, so uh, it was Saturday night, and then I did watch the Lakers game on Sunday. But other than that, I've really just seen clips on YouTube or caught a couple minutes here and there of games. But those are the only two full games that I watched. Yeah, I haven't
2: watched any. I haven't watched any games, and it's honestly not because I don't want to watch sit down and watch um, basketball. But um, the person I love loves baseball, so I'm sort of um, hooked on October
1: baseball myth right now understandable but But
2: I agree with I agree with Kendall though like it's it is kind of anticlimactic to watch a preseason game especially if your team the Blazers does an amazing job and you're like wait doesn't count
1: well I am like super bad at delayed gratification so I will take any morsel of um, (laughs) that I can get that they dole out to me I will like greedily just gobble it up so for me I'm like preseason yes I can't get enough You know, fan fest I couldn't be there this year I'm just like I just love to see them and I also always have a particular affinity for the younger players and I'm always really excited to see the new guys and what they can do and that's like really when you get to see him
2: <laughs> it's right. either in
1: preseason or a blowout so
2: right like my dear my the the love of my basketball life Jake Lehman
1: oh do you love do you love oh, Jake
2: adore adore he's so sweet and I Center love that
1: Jake his eyes are incredible
2: oh he's just the sweetest I went I was at a game it wasn't last year but it was the year before when the Blazers had just kind of pooped the bed and he was just there shooting the lights out for like the last 15 minutes and I just thought oh who is this kid? delightful and ever since i'm just always i feel like i'm always waiting like put him in put him in for a minute
1: this is gonna be the year carol
2: is it i hope so i hope so
1: (laughs) i saw him at summer league and he was absolutely fantastic and i call him summer league jake and if summer league jake shows up for the regular season we're gonna be fine and i don't know kendall did you what are your thoughts on jake
0: yeah i mean the times that he plays like he's a pretty solid player i think yeah, like I obviously I am not a coach. I am not really qualified to have any sort of opinion on this. I'm still gonna say my opinion, but like it's coming from a very like a place where it just I I don't have a ton of facts to batch it up. But from what I can see, is that every time you take players, players like the one I always talking about is Myers Leonard. You take a player like him, and you don't play him for. 20 games in a row, and then you put him in for five minutes. And when he doesn't play great, and they pull him back out, and everyone's like, Oh, Meyer sucks. Well, like, yeah, I mean, practicing is one thing, but like playing in an actual NBA game is so different. And when you go such a long period of time without playing, and you're not, and when you do play, you only play for a couple minutes at a time, you're not really going to be improving as much as you could be so I always think that players like Myers Leonard players like Jake Lehman I feel like if they were to get more opportunities to go out and play they would be a lot stronger players obviously I understand why they're not going to put players like that in when it comes to when they're trying to win and all this but I definitely think that like there are times when they could be playing putting in these players and be helping them improve and that just doesn't happen Um, quite as much as I would like to see. Uh, Because definitely when there have been times with both of those players where they've gone in and they've had really, really good games and then all of a sudden the next week, they won't won't even play them. So it's it's kind of like, it's very inconsistent. Um, And I think that as a player, that must be very hard to deal with just as far as like staying motivated and as well as just like keeping that still up is if you're not going out there and playing and you're not getting that practice, like you're definitely not going to be improving the way that you could be. So that's, I mean, that was a broad question or broad answer, but that that's kind of my opinion on Jake Loomis. I think he has a lot of potential, but I think that they don't use him as enough enough as as, as much as they I could love be. about
1: the beginning of He's the year is him. just all of the potential, and it's just it's just all potential, and you know, it's you know, opportunities are there, and I think this year with the some of the. Um, you know Portland didn't have a huge roster turnover, but there were some key changes you know one of them is that they lost you know Ed Davis, and so there's going to be room for more big guys to fill in in different ways that there that there weren't before um and then, you know, we have all these new three-point shooters on the team. I'm very excited about Seth Curry because I love the whole added extra layer of, like, you know, the brother of the most famous or, you know, one of the best players ever. Um, although I'm so confused about their names. I Like, it's so hard. Like, there's other players in the league that I get confused about, like Eric Gordon and Aaron Gordon. They're not even related, but their names are so similar. I have to, like, <laughs> which... Which one plays for Orlando? Um, I think Aaron. I actually did like a, I had to make a chart one day because I was getting them so confused. And I was like, okay, Aaron Gordon is the younger one. He plays on Orlando. Eric Gordon plays on a Texas team. (laughs) I was just like, sorry. I'm very confused by the Seth and Steph. And I have to think like extra hard every time I say one of their names to make sure I'm talking about the right one. Um, But yeah, anyway. Seth is somebody I'm looking forward to seeing how the the Blazers um, uh, react to him, or how they work him in. But the big question so far, like for all of the NBA, is uh, what do you think of LeBron in yellow and purple?
2: Oh, LeBron in yellow and purple. <laughs>
1: Are we ready for this? Can we handle this? If that's
2: where he wanted to end up, good on him.
1: (laughs) I'm so conflicted because I love LeBron and he, like in in my opinion, can like basically do no wrong. I just I absolutely love how he has. So much control and agency of creating his world and his life, and how like that has snowballed into you know other players like taking control of their you know uh, who they are and their brand and everything, and it's amazing. But did he have to do the Lakers?
2: I totally agree. I exa- exactly what you said, Tara. I would say verbatim exactly. I he's it's he's the the man, human creation corporation that he is is so admirable and inspiring I just wonder why he wanted what I want to know I want to understand more is like why would you want to try to rebuild the Lakers
1: see I have a theory about this that I've been saying for a couple years and I think LeBron's ultimate goal and my I have absolutely nothing to base this on except for probably listening to way too many podcasts every week but I think that he wants to ultimately be an owner I think that's the ultimate goal is to like own a team and he wanted to choose a team that he will end his career with where he will learn how to own and manage a team and like what better place to do that than like with the bus family i mean
2: right no that's oh that's smart i didn't even think about that
1: and and with magic you know and he's got i mean he's got so many smart people down there in that organization whether or not they do everything perfectly, I don't think that's the big deal. I think more important is, is to learn how to be an ownership dynasty. Because I think right. that's what he wants to do.
2: Land in a mentor space. That makes total sense.
1: I just don't know why he couldn't have done it in Portland, right?
2: Well, what if, would Paul Allen <laughs> let him do that? <laughs>
1: I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either.
0: Well, I think, too, with him going to the Lakers, which I know a lot of people when he said this, they didn't necessarily believe him, but he talked about how growing up he was a huge Lakers fan and he always dreamed of playing on the Lakers. And I think he's kind of hit a point where obviously I think he still thinks he has a chance of winning more rings, but he's also kind of entering that last stage of his career where he's is thinking about life after the NBA. So, I mean, I agree with your Theory on like the ownership stuff. I definitely think that that is a big part of it, and working with Magic and being in LA, working on all his different movie deals and all of that different stuff. Um, but I also think that he really has always just wanted to play for the Lakers. I think that I mean, as just a young basketball player, I think a lot of people have that dream of playing for one of those big, the the Lakers or the Knicks or the like one of those big franchises and he had an opportunity to do it. It he loves LA. He has homes in LA. He has a ton of friends in LA. He has business opportunities there. And I think just with a lot of things, like it made sense for him to be there. So I think as much as people want to say like, oh, it was he's selling out for this. I think he just honestly has always wanted to do it. And he felt like this was the best time to do it. I think it was just I think honestly if Lonzo wasn't there and that wasn't an issue, I don't think he would have gotten as much hatred for it because I think that, like, right now the Lakers are more than ever looked at as kind of this, like, showtime, kind of like the annoying team in the, in the NBA, <laughs> with like, the ball... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they're they're just the young who are putting out the diss tracks and the, all that stuff, and so they're looked at in a very different light right now. But I think in his mind, he still looks at them as like the Lakers he's always wanted to play for. So now he had an opportunity, and now he's like, I'm just gonna yeah. do it. Well, we
1: shall see. And I, I don't, I don't know about you. I have a soft place, soft spot in my heart for JaVale McGee, because um, I think he, you do. I do. Okay.
2: No, go. I want to hear your theory. Okay. Uh,
1: Well, so his mom played in the WNBA (laughs) and I think they might be the only mother son combination between WNBA and NBA. I might be wrong about that, but part of that is just like, you know, that just gives me a little soft spot for him. And I, I just, I don't, I don't think he's a, I mean, he's an NBA player. Nobody who makes it into the NBA player is a, is a bad basketball player. And I just, when everybody just gets all caught up and making fun of him and all that stuff, all I can think of him is him dunking on the Blazers, right? So, like, <laughs> maybe he's not the most skilled, but when he's used in the right situation, I I, I don't know. I just, I, I think people are, are um, really pretty harsh on him, and I just have a soft spot for guys who get in that situation, I guess. What are your thoughts on him, Carol?
2: I think it's amazing because I hear all of your wonderful motherness come through in that.
1: I can't turn it off. I really can't. You can't.
2: And I love it. And that's the best thing about you. And for your kiddo. I, mean.
1: I just want everybody but, to succeed.
2: Um, I know. I don't agree. I, I think, yes, it's cool. His mom played in the WFBA. Yes, please. That's amazing. And yes, I totally agree. He's talented. But the last time, the last times I've seen him play, he's been playing for the Warriors, and I have no space or tolerance for them. So, now, and that's as simple as my reason, guess.
1: <laughs> but he got his ring, and then he got out. Like he got a ring. I think that's so yeah. great. And Nick oh Young got a ring. <laughs>
2: Oh my goodness!
1: I just, I just love that so much because every when everyone's like pulling out the ring argument, like you know, when all the big debates are going on, like at the bar and people are yelling about who should be in the Hall of Fame, and well, he's never going to be in the Hall of Fame because he doesn't have a ring. I'm just going to be sitting there going, Nick Young has a ring, Javale McGee has a ring,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, I think the ring argument is ridiculous. Like when people try to compare LeBron and Michael Jordan and they use the, I think the rain argument is invalid in 99% I think it's of cases of
1: argument, but I don't think it's the, like, you, you know, you, I don't think you have to have one in order to have had a successful career.
0: No, you don't have to have one. And, and I think it's more valuable to, to go to the finals multiple times rather than, Oh, you've only gone twice, but you won both times versus you've gone ten times but you only won three of them or like i i don't think the amount of rings matters as much as a lot of people try to make it seem like it does well, exactly because it's the so much of a dynamic. team thing and it you can't have one good player and yeah. have you know nine
2: terrible ones and then be like deserve to be in the hall of fame and it's like well it's not always how that works well so- but javel mcgee i'm not on that sorry you're what
1: you're not with me on that one that's okay. We don't have to agree on everything, right? Cause-
2: <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> but I also but the other part I was thinking about too is like you know, this other creation of a super team in the West. It also gives me concern about just the enjoyment of basketball because again, my argument against Daval is not talent, it is annoyance at Golden State. And is he going, you know, south down the freeway? To be part of a burgeoning super team, um,
1: yeah, I think it'll be a while before that team is a super team, but you know they could be. I mean, it'll be at least a little while.
0: I mean, I think it just is a matter of who they get next year. Next summer, I mean that I think they even said like they after. I think when Magic came out and said, We're no longer focusing on free agents this summer, we're going like to next summer. We're focusing on that now. Everyone going, Oh, that means LeBron's not going to Lakers. And I think honestly what it meant was he know he knew at that point, I already have LeBron. So now let's start focusing on who we're gonna add to LeBron. And like it's just now it's like this is LeBron's year to get those Yonder players up to a certain level to really help them, and then bring in a couple more all stars and then there you go, you're ready. <laughs> let's grab eighteen more rings, well,
1: hopefully this time next year, the universe will write itself, and we can all go back to feeling the way we're supposed to about the Lakers um and the honeymoon as LeBron as a laker will be over, and we can go back to um you know as good western conference team uh supporters we can um i'll go back to uh wanting the lakers to, to be defeated as as much as we possibly can and maybe you guys are already there i just there's just like this little part of me that like hasn't fully embraced the laker hatred yet um
2: well to reflect your motherliness i don't want anyone to lose i just want the blazers to win <laughs> yes how about I li- i like that i like that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I, we've talked about this before where I've I've said how much of a how bit of a LeBron fan I am so now it's kind of a weird middle ground of like what which feeling is more powerful is it how much I like LeBron or how much I hate the Lakers and it's kind of like a figuring out that and which which feeling is stronger which one I'm gonna go with also then like being in LA like I'm not in LA right now but like I'm Moving back to LA very soon, and I'm going to be there in the height of all of the LA, LA bronze stuff. And so that's going to be a weird thing to be like, oh no, like I, I love him, but like I can't support this. So it's kind of a weird, it's a weird place that I'm in, and I'm very unsure how I feel about all of it. So
1: uh, I can't wait to see some of the stuff that, um, that, that he, that he turns out in Holland, some of the more new stuff. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like he's doing Space a lot Jam really, too. Um, you know, uh social justice, uh focus type things as well. And he's, I just I love the fact that he's created his own platform and then he's invited everybody to step onto it with him and share their own voices.
2: No, yeah, it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, as much as I I love and respect all of the stuff he's doing, like all the very positive things and the all like obviously he does like all this the charity stuff and like he does a lot of really great things he's gonna be doing a lot of like um movies and documentary stuff that he's doing like to help expose kind of social justice issues as great as all of that is i would be lying if i said i'm not <laughs> most excited about space jam 2 um cause like i space jam is like one of my all-time favorite movies i grew up watching that like Constantly, I have a Space Jam poster in my room. I have like, I have stuff, I've Space Jam, I have a bunch of Space Jam stuff. It's, it's, I love Space Jam. So, and I love LeBron. So now Space Jam 2, kind of like my generation now of NBA players, which is gonna be cool. Cause watching Space Jam is like, obviously, I know all the players, but I didn't.
1: <laughs> but you know them from Space Jam.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or well, I know them from like highlights, but I didn't get to actively watch them while they were playing. Uh, so it's gonna be kind of cool to see like space jam 2 where it's like these players i get to watch now that are like oh i watch them play basketball every night so it's kind of like a different kind of dynamic of watching it so i'm i'm very excited i'm I'm not sure
2: are you excited for
0: space jam 2
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's awesome a little bit bit. but i want to know who the cartoon kids who the cartoon people are going to be
1: I think we're gonna have to have a whole separate Space Jam to podcast because we gotta like cast everybody and we have to.
0: Yeah, I have to
1: rewatch it. I've only watched it a couple of times. Like my kids were like not quite the right age for Space Jam. We were like Air Bud, so um, we I got to go back and revisit Space Jam, and then we can have a longer discussion.
0: I just I really really hope that Lonzo Ball is not in it um he he's come out and said that he wants to be in it and i just i really hope he's not <laughs> that's my like i feel like, the, I feel like he one. needs
2: to, i feel like he needs to earn it i feel like he doesn't need to be in that movie yet
0: no yeah i don't think yeah i don't think he hasn't he hasn't earned being in that nor do i think he should no matter what <laughs> like, okay. i just i feel very strongly Same. about him so Same. I, i'd rather not see him in in my movie <laughs>
1: Okay, anything else on LeBron or any of the top stories? Anybody feel like we covered them? All right. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be working on a larger Western Conference preview, you know, to roll out when the uh, regular season starts. Um, Because, you know, as a Portland Trailblazer fan, you know, we're pretty focused on what's going on in the West. But I did want to uh, touch on some of the teams in the East that seem like they are going to be most interesting this upcoming season. So I had a couple I was going to talk about, and I think, Kendall, you had a couple. And Carol, do you have any you want to bring up or do you want to just ask us questions?
2: I here I I don't have any ones to bring up because I'm I'm really honestly concerned about the super teams building in the West that there's not gonna be anything interesting to watch in the East, but I'm probably wrong. So I'm happy to listen and ask questions.
1: Well, Kendall, do you want to start?
0: Yeah. Um, so my two teams that I picked were um the Celtics and the Raptors. So I think what's interesting about both of these teams is obviously they were at the top of the East and now they're going to, this year they're going to have an even easier time getting to the top of the East. So I don't think it's going to be, what's interesting to me is not necessarily how their season's going to turn out success wise. Um, Cause it's pretty obvious. Both of these teams are still going to be pretty successful, but what's interesting to me is more to see what their like, what their gameplay is going to look like, because obviously with the Celtics, they have their two best players now coming back full time. Um And, We Obviously, we did see a lot of Kyrie last year, but we didn't see any of Gordon Hayward. So I think that's going to be interesting kind of seeing that dynamic of this team that did so well without these players. And now let's add them back and kind of just see what that dynamic looks like. Um, I'm also really interested to see how Jason Tatum fits into that, because I think it's going to be really hard to have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward all playing when all three of them deserve to be starting. and it's going to be really hard to kind of have all three of them out there at the same time and kind of how that changes the, their gameplay. So I think that's going to be a really interesting dynamic. Um, I also, looking more in the future, um, I am one of those people that strongly believes that within a year or two, Jason Tatum's going to be better than Gordon Hayward. Um, So that's going to be kind of interesting to see that and see if that actually happens. And then if it does, and they're both still on the team, how that works out, because I don't see Gordon Hayward moving to the bench anytime soon. So that's going to definitely be an interesting change. And as far as the Raptors go... um, I mean, I've talked on this podcast multiple times about how uh, Demar DeRozan's is my favorite player, so that was obviously a um, an interesting kind of mix-up when that happened when that trade happened. But I'm interested more to see, while obviously having Kawhi in there is definitely going to be an interesting change, I'm more interested to see um, kind of how the coaching change is going to affect the team because obviously uh, Nick Nurse who is now the new coach he was the assistant last year and he's the coach who was really credited primarily to their gameplay change that happened last summer and kind of going into last season where they were moving the ball around a lot more they improved their three-point shooting a lot Um, they involved a lot more players it wasn't as much led by DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, it was a lot more inclusive with the whole team and their ball movement just was significantly better. And he was kind of the one that was credited for a lot of that. So I'm interested to see now that he's in charge, seeing how much more that's going to happen and then adding Kawhi into that. um I think that, I think it's just going to be a lot of interesting changes that are going to happen there. And I think ultimately, I think it is going to make them a lot better. But I think that, um, it's interesting, I'll be interested to see kind of how much better and how much that team is going to change. And I'm also really curious to see how Kyle, Kyle Lowry handles that change because obviously he was not happy with the trade um, and then just kind of seeing how his uh, his actual playing is going to be affected in that.
1: Okay, Carol, do you have any questions?
2: I do not. I feel terrible that I cannot participate.
0: I didn't do a very good job at leaving that open for discussion. I kind of just did my speed.
1: Love I think it's funny that the two teams that you chose to do really reflect from what I know of you, like how much you like excellence. I think the two teams that I select are going to really reflect how much I like chaos <laughs> 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 and why we, uh, why we compliment each other. Um, but so I looked up the, the over unders, like the Vegas over unders on those teams and for Boston it's 59 wins. So that's where Vegas has set the line. And then Toronto, it's 55.5. But right behind them is Philadelphia. So do you think that Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is going to be a threat to either of those teams? Or are you pretty sure that Boston and Toronto are just head and shoulders above everybody else?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like uh, Philly's biggest problem last year was that they were young and they didn't have a ton of experience as far as like playoffs go on that team. They didn't have, I mean, they had Ben Simmons who was the, the fake rookie and then Joel Embiid who might as well have been a rookie as far as like how much he's played. And um, and then the, all the issues with Martel Fultz and just all the different things going on. I think that they just had a lot of youth and a lot of it, not a lot of experience, and I think that them going to the playoffs and having that experience, I think was very good for them, and I think that that's ultimately just gonna push them even farther and um the little bit of some or not some really the little bit of preseason that I have seen as f- with the uh with Philly is Martell Fultz has been playing very well. So now that he's back and he's healthy, everyone's saying, oh, like he he was a bust, all this. It's like, well, he was injured and he came back and he didn't play well with that injury. And when all of these other rookies are now, they've been playing for 60, 70 games and he gets thrown in there. Yeah, he's not going to be up to the same level that all these rookies are. And I think he has so far in, in preseason played really, really well. So I think now he's going to add to that threat of them so I think yeah they definitely are a threat to those teams I don't know I I, as far as those three teams go I don't really have a strong opinion as for like who I think is the better team of the three I know a lot of people are like hands down it's Boston Uh, but I I honestly don't have like a strong opinion on that I'm gonna have to wait a little bit to see more regular season games and kind of see how those dynamics are with the different players But because I think any team with Kawhi Leonard, I'm one of those people that believes Kawhi Leonard is the second best player in the league over Kevin Durant. Um, I know that's an unpopular opinion, especially the past year. But that has been my opinion the past couple years. So and I still believe that. So I think that any team that has him on it already is going to be a huge threat and seeing how well they did last year and now with the new coach and who knows what's gonna happen so I think it's kind of there's so many factors that I just I don't have a strong opinion as far as you brought up uh
1: Kevin Durant which gives me a want to throw a question over to Carol (laughs) (laughs) as someone who has had it with the uh dominance of the team from the Bay Area (laughs) how do you feel about Kevin Durant
2: I mean, I feel the I feel a little bit the way you do about LeBron and I I do feel strongly that players have a choice and they they should be able to play where they want. Um and I also think does this mean we are locked out and by we I mean the Blazers were locked out for the next 4 to 6 years from even coming close to winning a championship. And is that fair to the rest of the NBA? I mean, I mean, granted the Lakers and the and Golden State will cancel each other out at some point. Um but it does are we creating and purposely creating super teams, not built super teams like the bulls where you had a star and then you nurture all the players around him, but like, a just a true super team where everybody's a powerhouse and everyone can wipe the floor. And it just is, it's no longer fun. I mean, I remember sitting at a playoff, the playoff game between the Blazers and the and and golden state and just watching them drop, you know, game after game after game. And it's like, not mind the the self-esteem of players who have to go through that, but the entertainment value for the fans. It's like, when you want to leave in the third quarter because the lead is like 40 points, you know, what good is that for the whole of the NBA?
1: Well, if the um, team from the Bay Area is anything like they've been in the past, they'll just sleepwalk through the regular season anyway, so we can at least enjoy those games. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Well, uh, Fair. so the two teams um diametrically opposed to Kendall's uh choices um so one team that I am super interested at least when they start out I'm sure I will lose interest very quickly um but I am fascinated by the wizards because I kind of think that the wizards are the bizarre (laughs) world of Portland um because I think you know that saying um there but for the grace of God, go you and I, or like there but for fortune, go you or I. I feel like that's kind of the situation with um, the Wizards because in Portland, I think the teams are, are pretty similarly constructed, but we have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum who get along so well and have such a tight um, and good working relationship and things have just have not worked out the same way for John Wall and Bradley Beale. And um, so I'm kind of just like, fascinated by that whole dynamic and how much they've struggled to put the team on their backs and then you add in Dwight Howard on top of all of that and um I'm I'm one of those people that just every year I think you know maybe this will be the fit for Dwight Howard maybe he'll go back to being the player that he was and um so you know maybe (laughs) this year
2: I don't know, but is he, I hate to say this about another person, but is he past his prime to be the player he once was or could have been?
1: I think it's more like, is he willing to learn how to do the other things? Um, You know, because like, I think a lot of players have been able to extend their career because they've been able to figure out other things that they could do later on. Like, you know, Mark Gasol added a three point shot. Um, I don't know that Dwight Howard, what Dwight Howard might do because so much of his career has been, you know, predicated on his incredible athleticism and his power. Um, But you never know. Uh, (laughs) And um, so I just think that's going to be interesting. And then also the fact that Austin Rivers is now there. And it's been a long time since Austin has been off on his own and like, you know, We've been, the Blazers and the Clippers have been playing each other very tightly for many, many years. And so Austin's always been part of the Blazer narrative every year, it seems, for several years. And now he's going all the way to the other side of the country to play with a completely different team. So I'm kind of interested in how things turn out. But, but again, with, with the Wizards, they're like a team who like, keeps almost having it. You know, like, oh, just one more piece. If they could just put one more thing together. If they could just hold it together through, you know, if they could just get off to a good start. Or if they could just, you know, not have, like, a really dark January or whatever. Just I, I keep hearing some similar themes that we hear in Portland. And fortunately, like I said, because of that, the strength of Damien Lillard and CJ McCollum, they've really been able to... Um, you know keep things afloat here where um it hasn't always worked out as well um in Washington Washington DC I've also heard that um aside from the basketball that um you know Dwight Howard has given a lot to the community and I always I always like to hear that about about players um so that's one of my teams and then the other one um which you're also going to be like what uh, <laughs> that i'm interested in is charlotte because i feel like kemba walker is a player that i've not paid enough attention to and he's going to be he and like more than half of the nba next year are all going to be in contract years but i think it's going to be really important for him and i think he's going to be playing out of his mind and i um i really want to pay more attention to him because um one of the things i learned about him last year is that I didn't know, like, he was, he trained in dance. So, Carol, like you, a dancer. Oh, I love that. When he was a kid, he was a dancer. And when you watch him, like, and I've heard people say this, like, when you watch him, he's super graceful, and he has these moves that really other players don't do at all. So, I'm I'm just kind of, I feel like he's somebody that I have come late to, and I want to really understand his play more. And, again, kind of compare it to how do the guards on the, Trailblazers play so so those are two teams that that I'm that that I'm going to be watching I think the who else do I think might be interesting I think the Pacers could be interesting but the Pacers could also be like you know kind of like the Eastern Conference OKC you know like they all have one player who just plays just like you know with just Like not a like a bad fury, but like a fury in terms of just like he's just like this force of nature in Victor Oladipo that he could be super interesting to watch, but I don't know if everybody's going to be as interesting to watch on that team.
2: You guys are making me really excited to watch basketball. Yeah, now that I've had a summer of you know 19 years of baseball, I'm super (laughs) ready for some (laughs) basketball.
1: Goes on a really long time, doesn't it?
2: It's so long. What's
1: your favorite thing that since you've just become like more recently a baseball fan? Like what's something that uh, you were kind of surprised at or found yourself really enjoying?
2: Um, Here's honestly the thing I really enjoy is um, sort of revisiting baseball as an adult. Because, you know, I really just watched it with my, my mom. Is I like to like randomly announce what's happening. Like I know what's happening, but I really don't. And I also like to give the players names that aren't their names, so it's not at all sporty, you know real girly about this, but it's it, it makes it more fun because that game is four hours long.
1: Well, good luck. Well, we need to wrap it up. But I do have one uh final question for you, Carol and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about like at the at the beginning, like when I was talking about how you're like super active in the community, you do a lot of social activism and community activism. Um, you're on a lot of boards here, you know, local to the town, and you're also a huge sports fan. So can you talk about any ways that you see how you see sports being important in community activism and community involvement?
2: Sure. So, you know, I work for a small sportswear company in Beaverton, though, <laughs> so all views are my own. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Small, small startup. It's a startup. Um, You know, sport is so important to how kids learn, how kids learn how to uh, play as a team, how, um, how physical activity really is connected to brain activity and, and uh, getting kids ready to learn and, um, uh, you know, be, be strong in life in school and in adulthood. And so sport obviously is an important thing for me as well as education. And so, um, to be able to do work where I connect physical activity um, to community is super, super important. So um, supporting orgs like Boys and Girls Club and um, local schools and Portland Parks and Rec and just finding ways um, to get kids playing has been, has been really, really important. I think the thing that we forget is that um, while PE is mandatory, kids often don't get it. And as they get older in school... Um, PE starts to become an elective and not a requirement. And especially for girls, we're starting to miss that window where they stop playing. Um, and so what are the ways we we keep girls engaged in sport is something that's really important. Like if we're, if, if a company is giving away product is are you know, is a sports bra part of that package, right? Like is that is that a thing we talk about is that a thing we discuss with our girls and like this will actually make it better for you to play and come more comfortable for you to play and you want to keep playing um uh what do we mean when we say sport right like we just were talking about dancing and dance and how that is important to movement um do we do we start to really talk about how we broaden the scope about what sport means beyond um you know our sort of majors basketball soccer baseball like Do we talk about dance? Do we talk about skateboarding? Do we talk about on and on and on, you know, fill in the blank. And what's most important is getting kids moving. And so um, that work is super, super important to me. Also inclusive sports. I love to talk about that because how many, again, how many kids do we lose when um, biases come out on teams and what teams do to each other? Um, and how do we use that space uh, to teach inclusion, um, to teach acceptance, and to really um, that winning together mm-hmm. spirit uh, about, you know, about kids who typically maybe get left out, whether it's kids with disabilities, whether it's um, kids who are LGBT or Q, however they identify, how are we um, raising kids that um, know what it means to be part of the community? And a lot of that good stuff happens in sport. So. Yeah, that's just a little flavor of what I, of what I get to do um, professionally and what I care about personally. So it's, it's, it's awesome.
1: I think it's really exciting that athletes have a voice now. I mean, back when Charles Barkley said that he wasn't a role model, I feel like, uh, you know, that's fine. If he does, if he feels like he's not a role model, you know, that's, that's his, you know, he can do that. But I think it, Turned a switch on on a lot of people to realize how much of an impact they could have from their position as athletes, and I think it's exciting to um, see, like uh, you know, with my MBA sort of bias, um, you know, players uniting together and coming in and talking about mental health issues and talking about things that people deal with all the time that but they maybe don't want to talk about, and then the athletes come out and bring it up i mean even even something simple well it seems simple it's not really simple but right now there's a big push for getting people to register to vote and to remember to vote i mean that's like super powerful and i think really exciting that some of the major sports industries are behind that
2: right well and i think we're i think it's really interesting too like um, you know we were kids when charles barkley was saying all those things but he was also we also used to force athletes to be in a box right like you were either the bad boy or i do everything really well or you you know it's all these sort of you know you're um, who's the kid uh, grant hill like you you could either be grant hill or you could be charles barkley right and there's no space in between um and now we are really in a space i think collectively of ex- of accepting people who as who they are like okay, yeah, you're really aggressive on the court, but off the court, you're a humanitarian and you're a this and you're a that. And and those things can exist in one person. And the way you express as an athlete, just because it's loud or aggressive or whatever it is, is not, is not is not your defining characteristic. It's just the spirit of like being in competition, you know? And I think that's a distinction that wasn't really made in the 80s and 90s and is now being allowed to be made more and more, for example, you know, Richard Sherman on the Seahawks is, you know, it was infamously derided for being like aggressive, angry, yelling at reporters. And it's like, no, he's just celebrating because he's really good at what yeah. he does. And also can have a degree from USC and, and, and right. So I think, I wonder what Charles, uh, Charles Barkley would be like, like now, Um, being as good as a good of player, you know, for the Suns, as amazing, as fun, as funny, um, because who doesn't watch TNT to see what Charles Barkley has to say? And still be a really good leader in his community space, right? Because we see him now as um, elder statesman. He's not that old, but elder statesman talking about it, how it, like you said, how important it is to vote, Um, what he wants his home state of Tennessee to be reflected as. Um, through elected officials, like all of that great stuff, you know. So I think we've just upgraded generationally of how we're allowed to think about, not allowed, but how we allow ourselves to think about people.
1: Yeah. I I always think of sports as kind of a a microcosm of society and why I think it's always um, important that I mean to go again to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of like talking about these athletes as more than like their stat line and more than just who they are on the court, and you know sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh yeah, you know i I never thought of so and so like um you know it, i I really related to him when he said that thing about mental health um, really made me think about who he was as a person. And I'm always like, how did you not always think about somebody as a person? I mean, um, but I think we get caught up sometimes in the wins and the losses and the minutia of the, the contract arrangements and all of this stuff. And I think athletes have started to show like, no, you can't, like you said, you can't put me in a box. I'm more than all of these things. Um, and I have, I have a voice and I'm going to use it. (laughs)
2: Yes. Which I, which is so great, you know, it's because what if, you know, what if people only thought we were, um, government workers forever and drones and only did things bureaucracy wanted us to do. Right. We don't get to be, you don't get to be fully fleshed Tara, amazing, um, basketball analyst, you know, and it's, so it's a, it's a great, it's, it's great for us to like, remember everybody's humanity, which is something sport does, you know, we, we remember that we're people.
1: It really does. And it we it, it allows us to see like people's raw emotions. Like how many how many places do you like see men cry? Right. right? I mean right. it's just not a common thing, but it's like, oh, you know, their their team is going through something or they're supporting their they're sad for their teammate who something sad bad happened to or whatever and it's like it's an okay place for that to happen. If it's an okay if there's one okay place, maybe someday there will be more okay places and we'll, we'll work to a place where the world is more accepting of of these things. And I, I just think sports is, is really important. And I understand that not everybody loves them. And, but I think there is something for everybody in them. If people want to take the chance to discover it.
2: I agree. I could not have said it better. I could not have said it better because, you know, all those things you learn in sport can, can translate to so many spaces. Like Having played volleyball for years, like I'm clearly not a professional volleyball player, but working in teams, letting somebody else take the lead, you taking the lead sometimes. Um wanting to be your best for somebody else. Exactly. All those all those things. Wanting to wear matching outfits on the court, like all those things <laughs> are were super fun and fundamental for me. And and so whether it was dance or volleyball or or anything, or just being physically active, like how many women do we know that are not and I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on women because it's about getting girls to keep playing past a certain age. And it's like losing that, that idea of like fitness every day, you know, Mm -hmm. moving every day really does help you getting up from your desk really helps, um, getting a workout. in, if that's what you like, figuring out what it is you like to be physically active, it's good for your heart. It's good for your mind. Um, and it's not about being like hot supermodel. It's about, you know, living a good, healthy life where you can maybe still touch your toes when you're 80.
1: Yeah. Well, ladies, this has been tremendous. It has been really awesome. We went on a little bit longer than I thought we were going to. So I appreciate you for sticking around, both of you, um, for coming on tonight. How about um, if either of you have, like, social media you want to share or where places that people can find your thoughts and opinions on things, if you'd like to share those? Kendall, why don't you go ahead?
0: Yeah, um... So the main thing is just my Twitter, which is, uh, Kendall Bennett, 16. Um, and yeah, now that basketball is starting up, I'll be much more active on there.
2: (laughs) And Carol, where can people find you? I am, uh, at Carol K A R O L cooks, uh, on Twitter. And I talk about all things. (laughs) And how about your radio show? Oh, that's right. Thank you for reminding me. I do something else. So I'm on, on Tuesday mornings um, at 7 a.m. at x-ray in the morning doing a little news and commentary.
1: Yes. And it has been, um, I've been listening the last couple of weeks and it's been a rough couple of weeks for women and uh, tuning into your voice
2: early in the morning
1: makes me feel good because we're sort of all in this together.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> was- we try. We try. <laughs> yeah.
1: it's, you know, it's kind of the
2: only place to commiserate sometimes. Publicly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you both again for coming on tonight. Uh, this is the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast. You can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can follow the podcast at Hoops and Talks. And the p- podcast shows up every other Thursday in the Blazers Edge podcast feed. So if you like this and you want to hear more, go ahead and subscribe to Blazers Edge on whatever podcast catcher you get. And you'll get me weekly on the Blazers Edge podcast. Plus, you you'll get to hear these awesome chats like this with other awesome women talking about basketball every other Thursday. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time.